today on Ag News Daily. The mission of Schick is emerging swine diseases, everything about emerging swine diseases. We've got PERS and we've got PED and other things in, the, in our herd that's endemic that's here all the time. What Schick is responsible for is looking over the hill and trying to predict what's going to come at us. Well, happy Friday, listeners. December 8th, 2023. Just hanging out with me today, bringing you some headlines as far as that goes. So Tanner here to start off with the letter, the weather. The entire state of North Dakota and parts of Montana, as well as Minnesota and South Dakota, are all going to see winter weather advisories this weekend. The advisories will take an effect this morning and last through early Saturday. As much as four inches of snow are expected to fall, there could be wind gusts of up to 55 hours, plan of slippery conditions. Widespread blowing snow could reduce your ability significantly to accumulate also in parts of Oklahoma and Texas. Midwest and head down south in the county back in that area, potentially receiving more than an inch of snow into Saturday morning. So you don't get snow in those regions very often. So I wanted to give everybody a little bit of a heads up there. We do have two companies, Stein Seed and Pattern Ag, are working together to introduce a prescriptive pathogen report, a new tool that will help combat the effects of corn rootworm. The prescription pathogen report uses Pattern Ag's predictive soil analysis and field pressure information to adjust the economic risk of corn rootworm in the upcoming growing season. It works by measuring the DNA in the soil to detect targeted organisms. The data will be collected and translated into an actionable group of insights for farmers to use. The collaboration with Stein Seed is a game-changing momentum swing for Pattern Ag. They state that the expertise in seed production and Pattern Ag's cutting-edge analytic, analytics will usher in a new era of data-driven decision-making. The companies will report the insights and what they've tested so far. The tool has an accuracy of 90% sensitive enough to detect a single egg your crop rotation decisions. We've also got updates from Trimble. Trimble is bringing technology to students. There will be two new labs on the campus, Ohio State's campus in Columbus and Ohio State ATI will receive these new labs. These labs are first of Trimble's kind. Their technology labs were used to inter introduce agricultural solutions to students. They will create customized workstations and simulate the agricultural hardware and software in a classroom setting that will be used in the real world. So imagine having everything that might be in the cab of the next high-tech tractor at an indoor workstation where you can be focused on learning while somebody is there to help teach you at the same time. The recent establishment of these two labs in the College of Food and Agricultural and Environmental Sciences will be a great gift to that campus. Kind of an interesting story to share there. The FDA did put out a report that states, despite the increase in sales, there is still a lower use of antibiotics in animals, especially animals used for food. Those that are used for promoting weight gain and food growth are the ones that were set up, had the highest increases. Drug makers sold 11.17 million kilograms or 24.6 million pounds of antibiotics to be used in cattle, hogs, and poultry last year, which was 4% up 
from 2021. This is the second increase in two years. However, they are much lower than they were before the FDA banned the use of antimicrobials to promote weight gain. So as we continue to watch the meat market, antibiotics are still prevalent. Restricting the use of antibiotics was part of the government-wide drive to preserve the efficacy of antibiotics for treating disease in humans. Beginning in 2017, the FDA required veterinary oversight to use antibiotics to prevent or treat disease in food animals. Six months ago, the FDA rule took into effect the end to end over-the-counter sales for some of those antibiotics as well. So pounds are up, but they still state that they are less than they were prior, prior to that. Nearly 56% of the 2022 sales were antibiotics deemed medically important. So that was uh, more than half, but that was the highest in the last six years. So we'll continue to keep an eye on that as well. The peak year for sales of antibiotics was 2015, which was just ahead of that 2017 law. As you look at what you can do for your products to be shipped overseas, the U.S. Food and Ag Export Division is stating that market diversification is going to be the path to success. Right now, our ag exports are concentrated into four markets that generally make up $6 of every $10 in sales. U.S. ag trade officials are continuing to try to broaden that market. They're looking to expand the sales volume and the number of clients, as they said in their trade group meeting. Ag exports are forecasted to fall for the second year in a row during the fiscal year 2024, projected right now down 12% from the record $193.1 billion in 2022. The imports are expected to hit $200 billion, which makes a trade deficit for the United States. Market diversification could be our solution. U.S. Chief Agricultural Negotiator Alexis Taylor and U.S. Undersecretary stated that they are going to continue to launch new cost-sharing initiatives using that regional agricultural promotion program that we reported on last week. So that still remains to be a large focus for those in our ag committees putting this together. Do have a couple of updates coming from the Gaza region. Israeli soldiers are still detaining dozens of Gaza men. They are looking at uh, continuing to keep hostages as part of their plan against the Hamas. The UN Secretary Council is set to vote today on a resolution calling for humanitarian ceasefire in Gaza again. This would allow for resources to be made in for humanitarian efforts. The Israeli Air Defense Forces said Friday that they are carrying out strikes on nearly 450 targets in Gaza. They also said that it will open the border crossing between Israel and Gaza for the inspection of aid trucks over the next few days. So maybe going to see a little bit of humanitarian progress coming from that division. Well, I've just got a highlight on markets here mid-morning before we jump into our interview today. December corn is up just a penny, sitting here midday at 4.69 and a half. January soybeans up 12 and a half cents today to 13.24 and a quarter. December wheat is unchanged on the day as we look across our cattle complex. We do have live cattle just up a half a cent today 
February live cattle, 163.05. Feeder cattle contract up just 80 cents as March is sitting at 212.5. Let's take a moment here to enjoy our conversation today. Well, I am so excited to be chatting today with Dr. Paul of Schick or Swine Health Information Center. Paul, we have had you on the podcast a couple of times in the past, but I just love the work that you have done with Schick and so excited to chat with you today. So thanks for joining. Well, thanks for the opportunity. I appreciate that. It's good to visit with you. So, Paul, for those of our listeners who are not familiar with Schick, give us the 10,000-foot view of what the organization does. Yeah, so um, the mission of Schick is emerging swine diseases, everything about emerging swine diseases. We've got PERS and we've got PED and other things in in our herd that's endemic, that's here all the time. What Schick is responsible for is looking over the hill and trying to predict what's going to come at us, either from within the U.S. or overseas somewhere. So it's about emerging diseases, trying to prevent them, but we can't prevent them all. So if we can't prevent them, we're gonna be prepared for when they come so we can manage them quickly and recover as quickly as we can. That's what Schick's focused on. So as you think about preparing to manage that and maybe prevent some of those foreign animal diseases, does that mean Schick is getting involved in actually funding maybe some of the research being done? Are you guys lobbying? What what's what are you doing day to day? Yeah, so let's go back to twenty thirteen when PED came into the pork industry in the US. Um, we had seen PED in China circulating for at least two years. Um, at the swine meetings that I was at in 2011-2012 we talked about this disease in China it's porcine epidemic diarrhea and it really causes a problem and we all nodded our heads and said yeah it's a good thing we don't have it and then it hit in 2013 and we were not prepared for it I was with the pork board at that time and we had to fund over a million dollars worth of research in a month just to try to understand it, what was going on and how we could control it. That was really a wake-up call because we had PERS in the 80s, we had circovirus in the early 2000s, we had uh, influenza in 2015 and, and, or 2012, and then we end up with, with PED. And the pork board's board of directors, Chekhov, said, we're getting all these diseases coming at us And we're doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. So let's try to do something different. And that's when they funded the Swine Health Information Center. Looking over the hill to see what's likely to come and and if we can prevent it, fine. But we for sure need to be prepared for it should it get here. So that's that's the whole effort behind Swine Health Information Center. So as you look at things coming over the hill. I feel like African swine fever, we've maybe started to put that one on the back burner a little bit. It's still there, it's still prevalent, but we've got PERS, we've got PED. What do you think would be the most catastrophic foreign animal disease if it were to hit the U.S. shores? Well, any of the foreign animal diseases would, because whether it's foot and mouth disease or classical swine fever or African swine fever, any of those would stop our international trade of pork products. So that takes out 25 to 30 percent of our production right there. So any of those coming in um, would, would be catastrophic. We're probably at the biggest risk. We've had, we're at the biggest risk right now of African swine fever. 
that's the one that's getting all the attention because that's the one that's still circulating around the world and still causing a lot of problems. We know we're vulnerable in different areas and we're trying our best to shore those up. We want to be prepared to respond, but what the big effort is, is being preventive and keeping it out because once it's here, it's too late. We're, it's gonna shut things down and sure we can respond and recover, but that's gonna be a long time. So prevention's the big effort. What are some of the stakeholders that are engaged in Schick, and how are you going about engaging them? Yeah, you know, I, that's, I think you started this saying something about what you've done at Schick and, and how Schick's been whatever it's been and, and your work. It isn't my work. It, I've, I've just tried to organize people to help. And, and that's really the strength of the Swine Health Information Center is all the people that are engaged. Um, we've got universities and researchers, of course, because they're doing the research for us. But we get everything built from the foundation of pork producers and veterinarians. And, and those folks, when in our working groups or special groups, task forces we put together, even just talking at meetings and doing calls, um, those are the folks that are really the power. They're the ones that uh, we get the information from from out in the field. They're the ones that are telling us what's going on out there. There's the ones that are telling us what they need. And Schick's job then is be responsive. Don't, don't fund research. It's going to take two years to get them an answer. Get something done to give them some help. So, so that's really been the, been the power of the center is all of those stakeholders, all of those people volunteering their time, their effort, their expertise, and, and helping make it a success. Well, I know you don't want to brag about your career and what you've done for the swine industry, but it's really been phenomenal. And it's been fun to get to know you over the past couple of years through Schick. But this is your last NAFB trade talk with Schick as you're making your departure, maybe for some new organization, or maybe you're going to slow down and that's understandable too. But as you reflect back on your career, you've had a lot of really engaging roles within the swine industry. What are you most proud of? Oh dear. Um, I guess what I'm most proud of is, is I do believe that we've been able to make incremental progressive steps. You can't, it, it's not a tsunami, but it's more of a tide coming in kind of thing. And I think um, uh, Swine Health Information Center certainly has been the, the apex of that. And, um, and, and what success it has had is more due to the people that I work with than it is to me, but I'm, I'm kind of proud of the success that the organizations have thus far. And I'm looking forward to how it's going to go on in the future. Dr. Niederwerder is gonna do a great job. I have every confidence that, that we're not gonna miss a step. Um, there's not gonna be any downtime. We're still gonna be marching on right in lockstep with the industry, with, with what producers need. Um, she's hired Dr. Lisa Becton as her new associate director. Those two are gonna start January 1, and I'm looking forward to watching and, and having fun watching what they're gonna do. Paul, I have a feeling that you're probably like a lot of farmers, where you say you're gonna retire, but then something else pops up on your radar. What's your plans after departing Schick? Yeah, um, I don't really know what I'm gonna be when I grow up yet. Uh, um, my grandson tells me that he's gonna take me fishing, and he's gonna teach me how to fish. 
we'll see what happens. I still say that. I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. So I love that you're also willing to say that with us. Well, Paul, certainly appreciate your time joining and appreciate all the work that you have done for the chick and swine health industry. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Well, thanks for the opportunity. It's been good to visit with you. Um, I've been blessed through my career and I've been very thankful for, for all of the all of the people that I've met and all the opportunities I've had. And now it's time for me to get out of the way and let somebody else take over. Thanks for that. Well, there you have it, listeners. The end of another week. Hopefully you have a good weekend. So for today, we're going to let you go.